Deuteronomy 8 too. That's why we find ourselves in our own deserts and in our own wildernesses, going through our own tests. Why? We're here to learn humility. We're here to discover faith-forming, heart-transforming life lessons. We're here because we need to grow. And we need to explore the whole issue of obedience. And so the Israelites have been through this cycle once at the end of chapter 15. And now they're camped beside 12 springs, 70 palm trees. God is so good. His amazing provision and abundance. But they can't stay here forever. There are more tests to face. And so God leads them on. Question is, how are they going to cope now? Well, let's go into chapter 16. And you read that they leave Elam. And they journey for what appears to be about 40 or 45 days. And then they're at it again. They've enjoyed God's abundant provision. The expectation levels are heightened. But along comes another test. And immediately, disappointment and complaining kick in. Look at verse 2 of chapter 16. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted, which is very unlikely. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Given all that has happened, all that they have been through, their songs, their exclamations of trust. And at another test, they just seem to look back through rose-tinted spectacles. All of a sudden, Egypt doesn't sound that bad, even though we know it was miserable there. They cried out to God for deliverance. But now, and this often happens with people, as they remember the past, often through a hazy glow of memory, they compare it with now and they end up complaining. They become nostalgic. They hanker after the past and they struggle to live in the present with gratitude. I don't know if you know anybody like that. As someone has said, we tend to see the past through rose-tinted spectacles and the present through cracked lenses. And so the chances are, if, if, if you're kind of complaining right now about your current situation, then in two years' time you'll be looking back on these as the good old days, wishing you were here again. But you see, circumstances change. Time moves on. Testing continues just the way it works. God's still God, is he not? God is still with us. God is still for us. God is still faithful. God is still leading us. God doesn't change. Still a God of grace. And therefore, even though we don't deserve it, just like the Israelites don't deserve it, God provides. The cycle continues. Look at verse 4. I'll rain down bread from heaven, says God. And it gets even better. Look at verse 8. The Lord will give you meat in the evening, bread in the morning, for he's heard your complaints against him. What have we done, says Moses and Aaron? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord. They're not against us. You see, God graciously met their need. But it's really fascinating that it turns out our complaining ultimately is targeted at God no matter who else we voice off to. And whenever we complain about our circumstances, and I know this is hard, 
But whenever we complain about our circumstances, we're really taking a side swipe at God. It can reveal a lack of gratitude. It can reveal a lack of trust. It communicates something about our understanding or misunderstanding of God's control in our lives. Psalm 78 calls this manna from heaven angel food. Every morning, the angels delivered this heavenly meal, spread it out before them. Israelites didn't have to work for it, didn't have to grind the flour, didn't have to knead the dough, didn't have to bake it in the oven. All they had to do, gather it, eat it. God's provision, amazing. Even then, after a certain amount of time, they complain about this stuff as well. If you read Numbers 11, don't have time at the moment, but they complain to Moses and they say, listen, Moses, we have lost our appetite because all we have got to eat is this lousy bread. So by chapter 17, so we've been around this cycle, around twice now. By chapter 17, you think, okay, lesson learned. But no, there's another test. And folks, this is the way it tends to work in our lives. And I really do wish it was different. I really wish it was different. But this is just the way it tends to work. The tests keep coming. The challenges keep coming. Another one comes for these people. There's no water again. They've been here before. Guess what? They lapse into default mode. Only this time it's complaint taken to another level. Verse 2 of chapter 17 says, So they quarreled with Moses. It's a stronger word than grumbled. Verse 4 actually tells us they were going to kill Moses. He's led them out of slavery. He's led them through the Red Sea. But now they're going to kill him. And Moses does what any decent spiritual leader should do in this kind of situation. He tries to help them see the bigger picture. He points them in God's direction. He attempts to turn their eyes towards heaven. So he asks the question, why do you test the Lord? This is what you're doing. Listen, look up. Stop looking down. And whenever you complain, you're allowing your circumstances to dictate. And then it happens again. In the midst of the disappointment, in the midst of the complaining, God graciously provides. Look at verse 5. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out for the people to drink. And it clearly did. And the people drank. Cycle. God's provision. So is that an end to their chronic complaining? Well, apparently not. Because as their story unfolds, we discover that because of their constant grumbling, their ongoing tendency to whinge, there were major consequences. Major consequences. Numbers 14 reads like this. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land. Why? Because they grumbled. I mean, it is that serious. It's such a toxic, faith-damaging issue. So back to 1 Corinthians 10. Don't grumble. Do not grumble as some of them did. Will we learn from their mistakes? 
Will we be content in knowing that God is leading us, is for us, is with us? As Van Morrison sings in Avalon Sunset, when will I ever learn to live in God? When will I ever learn? He gives me everything I need. When will I ever learn? It's a great question. And as we finish this morning, look at verse 7. And he, that's Moses, he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, here's the bit, is the Lord among us or not? And when you boil it down, there's the core issue. There's the core issue. Because whenever you grumble, whenever you complain, you're really asking, is God here or not? Is God with us or not? Is God for me or not? Is God good or not? Is God in control or not? Testing, desert, and wilderness experiences are inevitable in the Christian life. And the question is, how do we react? Do you complain? Or do you adopt an alternative mindset? Do you accept that God, yes, is with me? And that God might just be using these experiences to shape me, to reshape me, to humble me, to teach me so much more. And are we able to actually reach a place of saying, do you know something, I'm going to give thanks in all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, that's not what it's about. But I'm going to give thanks in all circumstances. Am I going to reach a place where I'm able to recognize that it is the testing of my faith that actually ensures I'm in here for the long haul? Do not grumble. Let's learn from history and not repeat it. Let's pray. Father, I come before you this morning, recognize that as you search my heart, and you do, I know that kind of reflect back on maybe my words, sentences, phrases that I've offered, uttered over the last 24 hours, over the last week. And if I was kind of going to identify those times whenever you could say I've just whinged, there's been quite a few of those times. And so I ask for your forgiveness this morning, God. Help me to learn to know what it means to be content. Help me to know what it means to give thanks in all circumstances. Help me to know the difference between legitimate and illegitimate complaining. Help me to realize how toxic this issue is to my heart. Because God, you are good. And you are faithful. And you love us. And you know what's best for us. Help us to trust in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and we're going to sing a song that kind of picks up on that. Give thanks to the Lord our God and King. His love endures forever. For he is good. He is. And he's above all things. His love endures forever. And then forever God is faithful. Forever he's strong. Forever he is with us. Forever. Let's stand together.
just ask that you would part us now with your blessing. Go with those who need to go right now and have a great Christmas. And uh, be with those here. I'll stay and enjoy a cup of coffee or tea and enjoy chatting and catching up with one another. So God, go with us, remain with us in Jesus' name. Amen.